0: I just feel like we don't know enough about business to podcast, so we need to start small. Doesn't matter. This is the first installment of a test run. So let's to the up. Salt Podcast Show. Let's
1: talk about. Featuring
0: Salt. Dylan Lane, two thousand eight, best in the desert, Open Pro Champion, and also 250 Forest stroke, Big Six GP Champion. At what year was that? 2006, 2006, ex-pro rider, and I am just your old-time amateur rider that still sucks. So today we're going to talk about representing yourself as a business entity, as being a rider in what's already a tough sport that costs a lot of money, you get little support on the off-road side, and Jillian has... Been there, done that with having his own race team, financing his way to an Open Pro Championship, and there's just little quirks that you can do to make money, make it to the races, get your name out there, get sponsors to notice you. So, we're just gonna kind of dive into that world of how we could you know, inspire young kids to, to create a brand for themselves.
1: Well, I believe that it comes from involvement, involvement in the sport, involvement in the local community where you are trying to pull all this together to make it happen. If that's where you're going to get your most support. Uh, you know, it's finding unique ways to market yourself that actually benefit your your top goals, and you know you got to start small. Uh, you're not just going to get handed a check and say, "Go racing." It comes from, you know, finding ways to inter- interact with families, mainly, you know, get them involved, get them out to the races, whether they have, you know, young kids or children that have been caught up in, you know, getting in trouble in school and life, you know, at home, and, you know, you're, you're struggling as a parent trying to find a way to direct them in a positive manner to be involved with activities. Uh, one thing about racing motorcycles off-road, anything racing in general, all types of disciplines—it's uh, you're by yourself. Uh, it's very, uh, you know, a solo effort that you put out there, and the results you get are what you can use, kind of as a uh, as a as a type of, you know, money to. Yeah mobilize your efforts in the racing so that the more you put into it the more you get out which is in all cases but in this matter it's more about um you know finding ways to connect right and and be involved
0: and what's interesting is we our generation was on the verge of technology but
1: social media when, when
0: we were racing i remember we get excited to get the cycle news every week and find our name under the results and that's how you show your sponsors like hey look i got third place but we didn't have instagram back then we didn't have facebook we did have myspace but that was a different platform um but i think towards the end of your career you definitely got your name out there within social media which wasn't there when you first started and I think that's a huge thing today, is to get your name out on social media because that's what sponsors are looking at. They're not looking. They don't have Cycle News now.
1: Yeah, well, back in the day, I remember uh, we'd finish uh, best in the desert race and drive home, and you know, within within four four to seven days, uh, Dirt Rider Magazine, uh, Dirt Bike Magazine, Cycle News—they'd all put out their next publish and I would always be in the dirt bike shop asking, you know, hey, have you got the latest, yeah. the latest issue? And, yeah, and when they would, you'd sit there in the shop and flip through, and if you found your own article in there, you know, where you got some publicity, you'd, you'd personally buy five or six issues to go to send to certain key sponsors that really affected you showing up to right. that particular race, and now it's just you tag somebody, you know? And it's yep. the, Hashtag. The, the marketing way, especially as an off-road desert racer, because, you know, there's, there's not a huge fan base. There's, you don't have a stadium full of people looking at your sponsors that you're representing. Uh, the only way is, you know, doing, being a long-distance endurance racer to get your name out there is to, first of all, qualify to be within the results. And second, know how to represent them in a manner that is, it stands out, you know. In reality, you want to you want to thank your immediate family and the people closest to you that are actually standing there in the dusty pits dumping fuel for you or chasing you all the way across the state of Nevada. But you kind of got to do that on a personal level. And when you can get a chance to exploit your big sponsors, you got to, you got to know how to word it and talk it. Uh, I believe Mark Korea was a, a big part of our success just because we didn't have social media, and because we developed a relationship with him. He
0: was the guy behind the camera. Yeah,
1: getting he, you in Cycle News. He created the social media. Yep. You know, he was he he filled the gap between being out there physically doing it and getting it back home for people to see what it is we're out there doing in our success. So it's it's much easier now than it was back in two thousand eight two thousand nine. Uh, like you mentioned earlier, my or uh, yeah, MySpace was that was all we had. All we had, and even then, we were still kind of ignorant to how to you know market yourself. Market ourselves based through internet. Yeah, it's uh,
0: it's still a tough industry. We see these teams come and go and. Uh, Even the factories will... I mean, we haven't seen factory Yamaha support off-road in a long time. They pulled out. Same with Suzuki. They pulled out back when we were kids. I mean, it was like Ty Davis was the star on factory off-road Yamaha. and Montclair Montclair, Yamaha. Mike Kudrowski was the face of Suzuki off-road. Now that's kind of gone away. And even um, Team Green Kawasaki, they had a whole fleet... I remember when I was a kid going to the Nationals watching my dad race, they would bring out their semi, just like Supercross. They'd have their semi out there with their three-star riders on the 500s. It it was Des Triabit, Brian Brown. Shane Esposito. Esposito, yep. He was the third
1: rider. How do we pronounce his name properly?
0: Esposito. Esposito.
1: Esposito.
0: Esperanzo. Espanolzo. If it's like a,
1: if it's like a uh, Justin Bieber song yeah. it's Escito.
0: But it's not like that anymore and I would love to talk to guys like that. Ty Davis and Abbott that are still involved in the sport to so where they got to see the change in marketing. It, yeah, they're basically back to privateers, hitting out of a van again with their mechanic. It's not and that's a lot of it's to do with the economy and like you said, in the off-road world, you don't have an audience. You're out there in the middle of nowhere. No one can see you. And yeah,
1: yeah, it's it's there's a, there's another fine line drawn in the sand. Um, having too many sponsors. You know, uh, we used to have what was called Sponsor House, and which turned to Hook It. Yeah, and Sponsor House, I don't know if anybody really remembers that or recalls trying to be a part of that, but that was kind of a new wave in the, you know, not really social media, more of an internet-based collective of sponsorships, discounts, kickdowns and goggles, this and that. Um, I personally was a little bit against it because I was, as a privateer in the higher classes of racing, I found it to be more effective, to show up with a with what I considered a naked bike with no sponsors, no graphics, no stickers, uh, almost like so that the, the big guys, the big sponsors that actually could make a difference in my attempt to be a professional motorcycle racer, it was more advertisement for them, more advertisement room, more real estate for them to advertise on and you know, as your results are being produced and you're finishing in the top of your class they're looking at it like this guy's not representing anybody so if we if we're a big part of his sponsorship efforts it's going to be the only thing that people see when he has his bike on display going through the pits and the results you know rather than listing 25 little tiny sponsors that are only giving you 15% off on goggles or You know 20% here for oils or this and that when your only sponsor is say North County House of Motorcycles That's the only sponsor that people see in the results and it really I think that makes more of a impact than listing Amsoil oils Scott goggles Dunlop tires, you know every little tiny piece. A million, sponsor, a million yeah. sponsors, or you just list your one main sponsor that really is the reason why you're able to show up to the races. And I find that there, there's definitely a fine line there between, you know, overdoing it and also leaving room for more sponsors and I in respect the future.
0: That the kids that on the podium when they ask who would you like to thank, and they're the ones saying my mom and dad because. They're the ones that paid for them to get to the race, yeah. paid for their entry, the gas, pit crew, all that. But I see what you're saying. All these kids these days have a million sponsors. And you see in supercross interviews, they sound like robots.
1: Yeah, and, it's too many. And if and they do happen to have a big money sponsor that actually maybe paid for all their entries in the race or paid for them to get their rig to the race, when they do get announced, it's blended into all these little. Little tiny sponsors that are just internet-based that you really don't have a personal connection with, so so it kind of takes away from giving giving the you know what looking for the the gratitude to your your real sponsor the main the main you know sponsor you know showing showing your uh, your gratefulness and your appreciation of what really actually physically got you to the race so you could even sign up and be in contention over somebody that is just going through probably a couple hundred thousand a year lists of people that want 25% off on internet orders. You know, here's here's a promo code rather than, hey, you know, let's have dinner. You know, here's a check for, you know, five grand to get you to Vegas, Torino. And it's specifically for all the fuel for the chase trucks, the bike, the generators, you know, the whole the whole effort to actually make make our vehicles move and to get to the finish line, and, and they want to be recognized for that. They don't want to be blended in with, you know, what kind of socks you're wearing or what kind of, you know, spandex you got underneath your your race uniform. It's you, You've really got to... It's hard because everybody wants to claim I'm sponsored and I have sponsors. Exactly. But are they really benefiting your race program? Are they really the reason why two weeks ago there was, the, in your head you're thinking there's no way I'm going to make it to this specific race that's out of state because I just can't afford it. And all of a sudden one company, one organization, maybe even one person steps up and says, hey, I'm going to pay for your full run this weekend but i want to be the only sponsor listed so how do you do that then then you might be breaking contract with all these little sponsors you have because you can't mention that's the
0: problem at the end of the day it's a business for the sponsors yeah you're a rider and you're trying to get support but at the end of the day they're running a business they're looking for the return on their investment so it's it's vice versa what they give in to you they want to see return from you because basically their name is on on your back or front wherever you put their sponsor and you have to represent them well because you're representative of their company at that point and that's super important when you see these punk kids that they don't know how to speak. They're not educated, and they just—they make. Not only are they making themselves look bad, they're making their sponsors look
1: bad. Yeah, and you hit the nail on the head there with representation. It's—it's uh, it's not just about that—that that mere thirty seconds, maybe a minute that you get of glory on the podium, that spotlight. It's—you uh, know—I I used to—you uh, know—coach young athletes, uh, men and women, girls, boys. On uh, how, how to represent their sponsors, and you, there's several different levels. There's there's the publicity that you get through magazine articles, photographs, whatnot. Again, we're kind of talking a little bit old school, right? But now that we are in a social media days, it's, it's uh, the you, same. It's just internet you're posting driven. pictures and you're putting a couple verbiage there down, you know, about how it went and this and that. But uh, you also got to keep in mind that they personally want to know how you're doing. They they want to feel like they were there, so you know you gotta you gotta take the time to sit down and instead of just whipping out your phone and a, you know having your buddies send you the pictures they got of you wheeling across the highway, you know, in, right. in Peoria or or going through you know the tabletop section at Glen Helen, whipping it. Uh, you need to sit down and do a very sentimental from your heart a, a gratitude, a thank you letter, uh, you know. Directly to that sponsor, and, and each one will change. You know, you're you're gonna you're gonna do a letter to your tire sponsor, and you're gonna be focusing on talking about tire quality. You know, traction, uh, how it worked, the type of race you were doing. Were we racing in Arizona, where we're dealing with more of a hard packed like shale rock, or are we at Glen Helen, where it's you know the that gnarly curb faced out. Turns into cement after a couple laps, uh, you know, and they, because they can build their business off that, especially for that discipline of racing, whether it's Grand Prix, Best in the Desert, Baja, uh, you know, there's there's the right tool for every job. So you need to know how to sit down and address each of your sponsors differently, you know, and coming from a supportive background now in my older days, you know, there would be times when I'd take multiple kids to the racetrack and one of the kids would win the moto, the other kid DNF'd, and the other kid would, you know, finish 30th. And you got to know how to approach each one of them. And you got you to gotta know how to talk to them and word it to, to be supportive of those that had a bad day and to acknowledge the success of the one that had a good day and not overdo it and not underdo it. And it's, you know, you do the same thing with trying to, you know, directly appreciate sponsors through not just hey go to my you know my uh uh instagram account right and you you'll see pictures of me and i and i i added your name in there you know they want a direct thank you to them and that's what'll keep you loyal with your sponsors to where they stick they stick by your side throughout your entire racing career and it keeps it
0: relevant i mean Yes, there's only a select few that can make a career out of off-road racing, but those are the guys that kept their sponsors happy. They never burned bridges. They—that's a—we call it the Nick Burson. I was just gonna bring him up. Nick uh-huh. Burson has done that very well, and some other guys have done it too. And that's so we've talked about branding yourself, creating yourself as a social media for your sponsors and all that, but. What a lot of racers need to talk about is life after racing. If you want to stay in the industry or do something else, there's always life after racing. And you've seen examples like Ty Davis who created his company, Zip Tie Racing, while he was racing. So when he did retire from professional racing, he had a platform and something to fall back on. Because a lot of these racers, it could be over in an instant. You could break your back and you're out of a ride and you have no money and you have nothing to fall back on. No skills, no No talents other than riding a motorcycle. So I think it's very important and I think it attests to what we've done. We've raced, but we've also created our own careers while we were racing and we are able to... Still have fun and ride and race every now and then, but we have our careers to support our livelihood now. Because, I mean, you never know—just like that, in an instant, your racing
1: career is over. And then, what do you do? Yeah, well, that's what defines a true privateer. Uh, I'd I'd like to mention um, David Pingree. He's a full-time firefighter paramedic. And he is one of the most successful motorcycle racers, on top of also training some of the most su- to-date successful motorcycle racers. And that that is a very, very perfect example of don't put all your eggs in one basket. Don't think that you're going to be the next Ryan Villapota or Ryan Dungey, where not only do you have a successful career, but then you go and... You know, have the opportunity to win a million dollars in, in one night of racing with three 10-minute motos. Like you gotta think into your future, and you gotta set set up a game plan. And that's what really defines a true privateer motorcycle racer, or, or any privateer. You could be a golfer. You could, you know, play tennis. You could be a rock crawler. You know, racing cars. Uh, you always have to have a contingency program and a plan so that when the wheels fall off you know metaphorically we call that it's uh you still got your backup plan and you're still paying your bills and you're still taking care of you know things at home so that when you do show up to the races on the weekend you can clear your head you can go out there and you can put in the best results you can get out of you know your body and your confidence in yourself and your program absolutely so i think we covered pretty much all the bases
0: on some of the business aspect of the sport how to
1: brand yourself
0: have yourself be known marketing
1: beyond racing marketing representation Uh, giving back to your sponsors uh not just not just by here's a couple photographs and some verbiage but a a sentimental direct personal letter uh addressing exactly what they're helping you with and you, know, it's, you just you got to think outside the box, and you got to be more creative than the next guy because sometimes you're not as fast as the next guy, but exactly. he might miss a couple races because he couldn't hustle the sponsors to show up to one. Yeah, there, there's guys in the supercross,
0: motocross industry that made their living getting 10th to 15th because they're great ambassadors for their sponsors. Justin they, Brayton.
1: They, Justin Brayton. And he's just now starting to shine, and he's been in it for 15 years, you know.
0: Yeah, he's only won one race, but that guy has made a living out of it, made a career out of it, supports his family. Mm
1: -hmm. Because he markets
0: himself. There's a lot to it, and we'll definitely dive into it more. Um, I think this is a wrap on the first SALT podcast, Stand a Little Taller. Uh, The next one I'd like to get into a little deeper about our lives as racers, what we're doing now, what we've done in the past our failures our triumphs and everything in between
1: all right thank you guys